Hi everyone, it's Dave here from Good News Club Ministries. Uh, I trust this finds you well and that you're being blessed and that uh, you're excited about all that God is doing for you and in your life. Uh, you find me here on a, a Friday afternoon. It's wet and windy outside, so I decided to stay in and uh, do some preaching and bless you with the Word of God. And uh, so I wanted to share a quick message with you, if that's okay. Um, I believe the Lord is speaking to me uh, about His ways and doing things His way and understanding the Word of God. And so I've got a, a powerful word that I believe uh, will really bless your heart if you if you open your heart and your and uh, your ears to it. Then um, yeah, it's going to build you up and and help you do all that God has and be all that God has for you. So. Um, I just want to pray and then we're going to get straight into it, if that's okay. Awesome. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for this time together. We thank you that you uh, love the Word, you are the Word, and that you've given us your Word in order to be able to teach us and to correct us and build us up in our most holy faith, Lord. You say that... Um, that we are to be people and doers of the word, people that know your word, people that meditate on your word. And I just pray now that you would help us, Lord, to, to get a hold of your word and allow it to become part of our lives in such a way that it, it transforms us and renews our minds and causes us to, to be the people that you want, you want us to be, um, all that you want us to do and to be a, a, a light and a, and, a, and a blessing in this nation, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Okay, so, yeah, uh, I just want to share some scriptures to get, to get us going, to get us kicked off. Uh, Mark 7, verse 13 uh, is where we're going to start off. Just to, well, I want to set a few foundational, a few things in place as a foundation, really, because... Um, yeah, I just really feel that we need to get to grips with the Word of God, as I was saying in that in that prayer there. And uh, there's a great um, little passage in Mark seven where the the um, Jesus is debating with the Pharisees about their their hypocrisy, really, and um, he's saying that 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 even though the Bible says that they should honor their mother and father and that you know they should look after their mother and father as they when they become old um what the pharisees had done was made a way that that someone could get out of looking after their mother and father by making um, a gift to uh, to, to, to the to the synagogue um, and that would get them out of their duty to look after their mother and father, um, and because they would call their their time that they would given as a um, they would pay for it in money to the synagogue, and that would be what they say a gift to God, and therefore negate their duties towards their their parents. And then Jesus says to them that through doing this, um, he says, you make the word of God of no effect to your, your tradition and doctrines which you've handed down and the many such things that you do. And that's a really, as you take, if you just take that piece of scripture um, out of that, that whole story and you, you, you put it alone, even in the story, it's, it's relevant but just to take it out and just to, and just to look at that and put apply that to our lives, it's a really poignant and powerful piece of scripture. Uh, we make the word of no 
of God of no effect through our traditions um, and doctrines of man which we have handed down. Uh, isn't that uh, an interesting portion of scripture? You know, to, to make the word of God of no effect in our lives um, is, is, a, is a, it would be a terrible thing, isn't it? You know, we, we all want the word, we all want the Bible to, to make a difference in our lives, for it to be part of our lives and for, for its words to come alive in our hearts and for us to be able to do them and see fruit from, from obeying the Bible and obeying the word of God. But actually, you know what, we can make all of that of no effect through our traditions and through the things that we have we have believed um, of man, and and that's what the Pharisees were doing when they were making this sort of get out clause for for people to not honour their father and mother, and that's what we can do when we um, copy what we have we have heard other people say is the right thing to do, or we have believed traditions and follow traditions or or false doctrines that have been handed down through the years in the church or by people we know. It's very possible that we are just following um, right now made up things that we have, uh, we have been handed down to us by others. Things that aren't actually part of the word of God. Things that we're just, we're just, we've based our whole lives on and yet they're not the true interpretation of the word of God. They're actually a falsehood. They're actually a tradition. They're something that uh, we've all held, held onto, we can hold onto, but actually they're, they're not true. Um, and that's, that's a really uh, powerful thing to think of, isn't it? That we could be holding on to something that isn't the truth. There is some truth in it, but, but it's somewhere down the line through the years that truth has been has been blurred and changed and, and now is just a tradition and it's something that is crippling our lives and we're, we're in a, stopping us from receiving the, the fullness that is in the word of God and the power that is in the word of God. Um, here's another verse to get our heads around. Hosea 4 verse 6 says, My people perish for lack of knowledge. My people perish for lack of knowledge. Um, and that's a really important uh, portion of scripture that we understand that the, if we're perishing in our lives, if things are going wrong, then there's a lack of knowledge. And it's similarly to Mark 7 verse 13 that I just read out, we, we're, we're allowing the, the lack of knowledge, the ignorance that we have around the word of God to uh, stop us from walking and c coming into the promises that God has for us. Here's another one. Isaiah 55 uh, says that my thoughts are not your thoughts, your, my ways are not your ways. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways higher than your ways. God's ways are not our ways. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. His his ways of doing things are infinitely different to the, the ways that we do things. His thoughts about um, life 
and what is right and good for us are completely different to what we think. Now we're made in the image of God and we have the mind of Christ, that in Christ Jesus lives on the inside of us. The Spirit of God has given us all that we, can, we need and he will lead us into all truth. However, we need to um, apply ourselves and get into that truth and allow our minds to be renewed and transformed through the Word of God. And what I'm trying to get at here, guys, is that I believe that across the country and across uh, the world even, there are, so, there are hundreds and hundreds and millions of people who, who would profess to be born-again Christians, but actually are living in a, in a way that is completely contradicting the Word of God, that is completely going against what the Bible teaches, we, how we should live. And it's not because... Um, they're doing it intentionally. It's not because we want to rebel against God, but it's because we, out of ignorance and out of tradition and out of um, not really knowing the Word of God, we have followed the uh, made-up things, things that people have handed down to us, and we sort of just stumble through this Christian walk, um, trying our best and p- taking out pieces of portions of Scripture which we we think somebody has told us. You know that that we, we he knows the plans he has for us, plans to prosper us and not to harm us. I think it says that somewhere in the Bible. You know, and sort of sort of roughly knowing the Bible, but not really getting to grip and not really knowing the, the truth and, and therefore not knowing God's ways, therefore not knowing how he actually really does things. You know, it says that um, in 2 Timothy uh, 2.15, it says that we should learn to rightly divide the word of truth. And it says in Hebrews 5 verse 13 that people who are mature have become skilled in the word of righteousness. We need to learn this this word of God. We need to meditate on it. Psalm 1 says, Blessed is the man who who meditates and, and who feeds upon the word of God, for he will be like a tree planted by streams of water who's who's who bears fruit in season and whose leaf does not wither. We need to be these people that that know and understand and rightly divide and become skilled in the word of God. If we are going to prosper and, and have all that we want and be all that we, God wants us to be in this world. I don't want to be someone who makes the word of God of no effect in my life through ignorance. I don't want to be an ignorant Christian um, who just bumbles his way through life and actually doesn't see the promises of God come to pass in his life. And so I'm just saying all that as a way of introduction, really, um, to, to get us into a place where we can start to really find out what does the Word of God say about us and what, and what is the, are the ways, these ways that Isaiah 55 talks about, what are the ways of God, the thoughts of God, we do. We can find out what the ways of God and thoughts of God are. Even though um, he is God Almighty, he's also living in us and he wants us to know the truth. He says, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. So we can know God's ways. We can um, succeed and, and follow his words successfully.
And one of the things we need to understand, um, I think, is that there are spiritual laws that govern the, the, the life of a believer. Just as there are, there are physical laws, we call them the laws of physics, yeah? So um, this is the extent to, of my knowledge of physics, uh, what goes up must come down, yeah? <laughs> you know, that's the extent to my knowledge of physics. Um, what, you know, gravity makes sure that anything that goes up comes back down again. But there are other laws, I, mean, I think there's, a, there's the law of momentum, isn't there? And... Um, the law of relativity and and so on and so forth. There are laws of physics, and I was never very good at physics, um, that govern this world. They keep this world uh, running, as it were. But also in the same way, there are spiritual laws that govern how we are to live by faith as Christians, as believers. There are spiritual laws that the Bible clearly outlines. But you know what? They're, They're... they are hidden. They're, they're there if you, if you seek them, but they're not obvious unless you, unless you read your Bible, unless you study your Bible, unless you get into your Bible. I want to make this point before we go any further. It is, no, it is not good enough anymore. If you want to move on and progress in your walk with God and you want to walk into all the promises, like I've been saying, that he has for you, because he does, there are many, many things the Lord has for you that he wants to do in you and through you and and for you. You know, he says uh, that all good things that have been given for us to enjoy, he says, I have come that they may have life and life in all its fullness. The devil comes to steal, kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and life abundantly. God wants the abundant life for us. He wants the best for us. But if you're going to have that, then it's no longer good enough to say, well, I believe in Jesus. That's that's enough, isn't it? Oh, yeah, well, I read my Bible 10 minutes, you know, in the morning and I spend a bit of time praying. That's enough, isn't it? Surely God will bless me if I do that. That's not what the word says. The word says, blessed is the man whose heart is set upon the law of the Lord. He says, blessed is the man who meditates on the law of the Lord day and night, day and night, whose who, who's the word, your word is in, his, is in his mouth. The word of God is in his mouth. He confesses it. He believes it. He knows it. Those are the people that walk into the promises of God. And um, we can't, we need to get to grips with it. Uh, we need to be those people that understand his word. And so... As we uh, seek out and, and begin to go deeper into his word, we see that there are spiritual laws. We see that there are things that govern um, our life as believers. And one of those things is, and this is what I want to talk about today, is that what Jesus has provided by grace, we access through faith. Okay, so I'll say that again. What Jesus has provided by grace, we access through faith. Just, to, just read with me, uh, if you've got your Bibles, turn to Romans 5 verse 2. So Romans 5 verse 2 says this, Through him we also have access by faith into this grace in which we stand and rejoice. This wonderful grace in which that has been provide which has been given or uh, administered to us by the Lord we have access to it through faith turn as well to uh, Ephesians 
2 verse 8 it says for by grace you have been saved through faith so by grace through faith you were saved so Jesus by grace and made available to us salvation um, the, the goodness of God the the uh, the blessing of the Lord uh, forgiveness from sin healing uh, redemption, being set free, being made right with him, being seated in heavenly places and, and eternal life all have been made available to us by his grace, by his grace that was, was poured out to us when he died upon the cross. I just want to say that his grace wasn't cheap, his grace wasn't, uh, wasn't just something that he paid for, you know, over the counter, <laughs> It cost him everything, didn't it? It cost him everything. Isaiah 53 talks about what it cost Jesus to pay for this, for this grace that we, uh, we have readily available to us. It says that, by, um, um, that he has borne our griefs. Surely he has borne our griefs. Isaiah 53 verse 4 to 6 um, he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. And the chastisement for our peace was upon him. And by his stripes we are healed. And the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. You know, he was wounded. He was pierced. He was, he was beaten. He, you know, it says that we, we, um, he became unrecognisable and we, we couldn't esteem him anymore. It says that he was led like a lamb to the slaughter. It cost him everything. This grace that we now know cost him everything. It wasn't cheap. It didn't come um, at a low cost. It came at a very high cost. And we now have access to that through faith. We now have access to that through faith. Another great portion of scripture is um, um, the story of Abraham and Isaac when um, Jesus, sorry, the Lord says to uh, the Lord says to Abraham, "Go and sacrifice your son, your only son, the son whom you love, um, on this hill that He shows him." And they're and they're walking to up the mountain, and Isaac says to Abraham, his father, he says, "We have the wood, we have." Um, we, we have the fire, but who, where is the offering? We have the wood, we have the fire, but where is the offering? And Abraham says prophetically, um, you know, not realizing it, but prophetically forecasting not only his provision, but the provision that the Lord would make for us 2,000 years on by saying that the Lord himself will provide the lamb. The Lord himself will provide the offering. And indeed, Abraham finds the ram caught in the thicket and he makes and he uses that offering rather than his own son. But in 2000 years on, uh, God, the father, the father of all creation, sends his son, his only son, whom, whom he loves. And he offers him as the sacrificial lamb that would take away the sins of the whole world. And he... Um, 
provides yeah he provides because abraham says on that about that moment he says it had on the mountain of the lord it has been provided abraham declares that again prophetically and on the mountain of the lord on the mountain of golgotha golgotha on calvary um, jesus provides that provides the way the, the way through which we can come to know the father uh, the father our god and so he prov- makes a way and so abraham's words the lord has provided become are true to us right here right now the lord has provided everything that we need to live and have an abundant life he has provided salvation he has provided healing he has provided forgiveness he has provided um, restored the relationship with our father and he has provided a way into to 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 know and to experience the blessing of god we have come to that mountain we have come to the mountain of abraham and we have come to that that mountain of grace that place where we where we are we are able to take a hold of everything god wants for us through jesus christ amen we have come to the mountain of god the mountain of grace 2 peter 1 verse 3 says his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him all things that pertain to life and godliness ephesians 1 verse 3 says we are blessed with all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places and paul says in again later on in ephesians 1 verse 18 that, we, that he prays that the eyes of our understanding may be enlightened that we would know the, what is the hope of his calling and is the, the glorious riches of the inheritance of the, the saints we have a glorious inheritance don't we guys we have an amazing inheritance provided for us by jesus once again we have uh, healing once again we have forgiveness once again we have freedom and you know also we have prosperity and some people find that a little bit difficult to swallow but i want to just um throw this out there that we have we have been given prosperity as part of the package of salvation that god wants us to prosper you know in 3 john verse 2 it says beloved i pray above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers so this is john praying um but he's he you know he's speaking as a as a as an, a prophet of the lord as an apostle saying saying you know the, the the lord wishes above all things that you would prosper and be in health even as your soul prospers psalm 35 says let the lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity of his servants let the lord be magnified who delights in the prosperity so so we would prosper the lord wants to us to prosper above all things and that doesn't mean just prospering sort of or that we've got a nice place to you know live or we've got you know good friends but we and we have our we we're rich in um i don't know we're rich in spirit we're rich in uh, emotions but which is which is all part of it but also that we're rich in finances that actually the lord wants us to have finances he wants us to be blessed 
to be above and not beneath, to be the head and not the tail, to be blessed as we come in and blessed when we go out. You know, he wants us to, to be people that are uh, that actually everybody looks at and says, wow, they must be blessed. Look at how prosperous they are. Look at all the things that they have and all the, all the blessings that are in their lives. You know, he says um, in Deuteronomy, it says that he that is the Lord who gives you power to get wealth. And that's how he establishes his covenant with us. That his covenant is, is shown and displayed through, through the wealth of his children and through the blessings that are in their lives. And, he, and, and the reason for this is because he wants us to be a blessing. It's not for us to hoard or to keep to ourselves, but that we, would be, we are blessed to be a blessing. You know, and it's, and, it, and, and it's very clear, the Bible's very clear about that. It says in 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 that we would have all supply abounding towards us so that we can give at every moment, in every opportunity, we can give what we purpose in our heart to give. You know, how can we fund the work of the gospel unless we have finances? God wants us to prosper. He wants us to be blessed financially. Okay, so how do we how do we take hold of these things? How do we how do we get a hold of this this awesome, amazing, abundant package that the Lord has has supplied for us through His grace? Because the truth is, I'm sure for many of us that we we understand these things. We we say yes, Dave. Amen. Yeah. Ah, oh, God wants us blessed. Yeah. He wants us healed. Yeah. He wants us free. Woo. You know, we're, we're there saying amen to all these things. And yet we don't see these things in our lives. We, we somehow aren't able to take hold of these things. You know, the Bible says that it's, it's through faith, isn't it? As I just said in Romans 5 verse 2, that we enter into this grace through faith. Yeah? We take a hold of these things through faith. You see, faith is the currency of the kingdom. Faith is the, is the ticket to the destination. Yeah? The destination is grace and faith is the ticket. Faith is the cash is the cash card that enables you to um, get into the, the the bank account of heaven and withdraw the things that that you need for your life. Withdraw the blessings and get a hold of them into your life. Faith is the key that opens the door to the house of grace. Faith is the key that opens the door to the house of grace. Who here has ever been locked out of their house? Or locked out of their car. I have. This happened to me. It's happened to me on several occasions. I remember one occasion in particular when um, uh, I was locked out of my house, and um, it wasn't actually because I'd forgotten anything or I'd lost my keys. It was, in fact, uh, my wife who had locked me out. You see, we. Uh, she had gone away uh, for a weekend to uh, be, spend some time with some friends and she left me on my own in the house and um, one of my friends had said, Dave, you need to get your hair cut. Dave, you need to get your, look, it's too long. And I agreed, my hair was too long. 
And so um, I, I let this guy cut my hair. Um, unfortunately, what he didn't tell me was that he only has one style of haircut, and that is to shave it all off. <laughs> I mean, when I say shave it all off, it wasn't like I was bald, but you know, it's like, it was pretty short uh, all round. And so I let him do it. I was like, yeah, whatever, it's no big deal. And he cut my hair completely, like number two, all round. Um, and when my wife came back, uh, you know, there I was waiting for all happy with my new haircut, uh, feeling free and, and very pleased with myself. And she went through the door came through the door of the house, looked at me, and her jaw just dropped open. Um, her eye sort of popped out of her head, and she went this very sort of white, pale colour. And she, and yet, yeah, to say she wasn't happy would, would have been an understatement. She was like, what have you done to your hair? What have you done? You look like a thug. You look like a, uh, you know, you know, like a, somebody from the army. What, what's, what's going on? Um, the, thing, the thing about me when I have my hair cut like that is, I've got quite a square head and a flat, you know, a flat head, and it, it just makes me look fat and just like a big block on top of my neck. So it didn't, it wasn't, I, I do agree, it wasn't the best look. So she was devastated and, um, and was just completely, you know, beside herself and, you know, all sort of, you know, hello, darling, how are you? Let's kiss and hug and, and you know, all that had gone out the window. So anyway, I, I popped out of the house for a moment um, to get something from outside and as as I came back to get into the house uh, I couldn't get in I couldn't get in the house and uh, I said you know I was knocking on the door and you know pointing at the door Trace can you let me in and she just stood there saying no like shaking her head nope you're not coming in like, what do you mean I'm not coming in she's like you're not coming in until your hair grows back I was like what <laughs> like that could take quite a while <laughs> I don't think she meant that but you know that was how she felt and uh, so it was a it was a while before she let me back in. Let's put it like that. Um, I had to stand there for quite a while to convince her to open the door to me. Um, I guess she just needed some time to get over the fact that all my hair had gone. Fortunately, I'm not like Samson. Um, I still had some strength, even though I'd lost my hair. So I've been locked out and I wanted to get in and I couldn't get in because my wife wouldn't let me in and it wasn't good. It felt bad. You know, I wanted to be in there, but I was out there. I was out here in the, in the dark and the cold and she was in the warm and the light and I couldn't get in. And that's what it's like, isn't it, everybody? We're, we're there. We know the blessings of God. We know that God's provided these awesome things for us. He's He's a he's taken up he's done he's made a way he's he's provided by grace the, the the abundant life and yet we just can't seem to get to take a hold of it we can't seem to to grab it um, and it's because the way that we need to do that is by faith and you say yeah but Dave I have faith I have faith I've got faith but your faith somehow isn't working. Somehow you don't, you haven't really taken a hold of the truth that is in the Bible. He says, the righteous shall live by faith. And our faith needs to be, it needs to be mature, doesn't it? It needs to grow, it needs to be strong for us to take hold of these things. You see, you see faith comes by hearing and hearing the word of God, Romans 10 verse 17 and and it grows through the word 
and it grows as we understand and we get revelation. Yeah, again, my people perish for lack of knowledge. And as we, as we get more knowledge and as we hear more good preaching and teaching, then our faith grows. And as it grows, it's able to take hold of these things. It's, you know, if it was as simple as turning a key, then we'd all have... Uh, we'd all be walking in the abundant life, but unfortunately, it's not that simple. There are there are ways of faith, and they are when you know them, they are simple. But but to understand them and to to walk in them is a is a battle. That's why Paul says, "I fight the good fight of faith." So there are things to faith that um, which can be can be difficult. But, but nevertheless, that is the key. Faith is the key that appropriates and takes hold of everything Jesus has made and provided for us. One of the things I think that, w- that help, will help us with our faith is understanding that everything has been provided. And if I was to call a message t- title to this message, I would call it The Lord Has Provided. Because that's really what I want us to get a hold of today is that God has provided by his grace all things that pertain to life and godliness. And he has, he's made a way for us to, to have everything, um, to have that abundant life. And it's not that we are trying to get God to do things for us, yeah? It's not that we're trying to get him to heal us. It's not that we're trying to get him to forgive us. It's not that we're trying to get him to prosper us. All of that has already been done when he died on the cross 2,000 years ago. You see, he says in his word in Ephesians 1 verse 20 and um, Ephesians 2 verse 6 that we are that he has sat down that he in Ephesians 1 verse 20 it says he is seated in heavenly places and Ephesians 2 verse 6 it says that we are seated in in him that Christ has raised us up in him and in the heaven who is seated at the right hand side of God in heavenly places he has sat down and this is particularly um, emphasized in Hebrews, in the book of Hebrews, if you read that, Hebrews 9 and 10, it's very, very clear that, that Jesus has sat down from his work, that he has finished his work. And, um, you know, he, that's why he cried out on the cross, it is finished. It is finished, he cried out. And he meant, it is finished. You know, when you do a job, and you say, uh, and you go, oh, that's a good job. I've finished. And uh, you, what do you do? You sit down and you, you have a cup of tea or a panad, as it's called in Wales. You sit down and you look at the work. You say, oh, it's a good job, that. Done well. And you have, you have a cup of tea and a biscuit. And, you know, that's it then, isn't it? You've done it. You've done the work. And you've done the job. Um, you know, when, when I do jobs uh, here in our house, for instance, I'm trying to build a little wall outside and, you know, or Trace asks me to do a job, like a small job in the house, you know, I'll, I'll, I'll do the job and then I'll say, Trace, it's, it's finished, I've done it, and uh, she'll come and have a look and, and she'll just, she'll just, be looking at it and she'll be shaking up, shaking her head and I'll be like, what? What's up? I've done it, it's finished. She's like, nah, it's wrong. You missed a bit. Nah, 
nah, you'll have to do it again. What do you mean I'll have to do it again? I can't do it again. She's like, yeah, you have to do it again. It's rubbish. She doesn't really say it's rubbish, but for Tracy, generally, my work isn't ever finished. <laughs> Let's just put it that way. All right, husbands. All right, your work is never done. Yeah, as they say. I think they say that about the wives, but anyway, we'll, I'll take it for the husbands as well. You know, our work is often, our work is often not good enough, is it, for people? It's often just, it's a little bit shobby or shabby. It's not quite up to scratch. It's not quite finished, but it'll do, yeah? It'll pass, it'll pass the sort of okay test. We'll leave it at that. But you know what? Jesus wasn't like that. You know, when he said it is finished, then it meant it was a perfect work and it meant that it is finished. And when he sat down, it wasn't symbol. He wasn't having a break. Like he wasn't going, okay, I'll just have a rest, a breather for 10 minutes and I'll go back and do some more. No, it was, I finished. It, it, his symbolism, the symbolism of him sitting down at the right hand side of God means there is no more that he is going to do. He is going to do no more. And Hebrews 9 and 10 are very, very clear that the priests would continuously offer up sacrifices, would continuously make offerings for our sins because, because their work was never done, because their sacrifices can never take away the sins of the whole world. But when Jesus died, the, the Son of God, the Lamb of God, that takes away the sins of the world, when Jesus died, he died once and for all sin, for all time. And he purchased eternal forgiveness. And he made us perfect forever. And therefore, he sat down. Because he would only be off, he'd only make one offering for all time for all people, and so therefore he sat down because his work was finished and the job had been done. He did away with sin. He did away with sickness. It says, "By his stripes we were healed," and it says, "We have been made perfect forever." You know, who's been watching the World Championships recently? Usain Bolt was running. And um, he had a little slogan over that he'd obviously had somebody make up called Forever Faster. Forever Faster. You know, because he's the undisputed fast world champion of the world, the fastest man to ever have um, run. Um, and he's obviously an amazing guy. But Jesus is even more amazing, amen. And when he did a work and when he did this work of uh, of forgiving our sins and, and providing for us um, salvation. He did it forever. He did it once and for all. And for some of us listening, some of you listening to this now will be like, Dave, don't be silly. Don't, we're, we can't be forgiven forever. We can't be made perfect forever. Well, you need to go and read Hebrews 9, um, Hebrews 10. You know, Hebrews 10, 10 says he has made... He has made perfect forever those who are being sanctified. You need to read these verses. It says he's Hebrews 9 verse 13 to 14 says we have had eternal redemption. Eternal means forever. We've been made perfect forever. And the forgiveness that we have that Jesus has purchased for us is complete. It's whole and it's done. And it's and it's it's all been accomplished. 
and there is no more um, sacrifice left for sins. You see, the Bible says that we're only, we can only be forgiven through the sh- shedding of blood. And unless, you know, and, and the only blood that's going to s- cause all of our sins to be forgiven is the blood of Jesus. And so he and he's not going to do it again. All right. So you better hope all your sins have been forgiven by him, because if they haven't, if if there wasn't enough, then there's no there's no more sacrifice left. Everybody. It's all been done. It's all been spent. It's all finished. All right. But fortunately, the Bible's clear that his sacrifice was enough for all people for all time. Because all of our sins were judged in the body of Christ when he died on the cross. Past, present and future. There's only one way through which sins are forgiven. And it's through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. I want to say that your sorry isn't enough. Your wailing and praying and going around in sackcloth isn't enough. If it was, then Jesus wouldn't have needed to die. He wouldn't have needed to die. His sacrifice is the only sacrifice that was enough to take away the sins of the world. And the reason that I emphasize this is because I believe that it's something that um, the Lord really wants to highlight, that we've been made righteous forever, that we don't go in and out of righteousness, that we, we may forgiven forever, that we don't lose our forgiveness when we sin again, but we, we keep it because the, the, the work of Jesus is eternal and we've been given eternal forgiveness, but also because we need to understand that that all of the work that has been done is in the past, yeah? It's all past tense. We have been forgiven. We have been healed. We have been prospered. We have been made free. It's all been done 2,000 years ago on the cross when Jesus died. And he said, it is finished. And so as we learn that these things are past tense, we understand that there is no more for, for Jesus to be doing. It's not like he has a big to-do list. And we don't go to God begging him to do more. Please will you uh, make me healed, Lord. Please will you make me um, prosperous, Lord. Please will you forgive me. We don't need to beg him and plead with him to do these things. No, we come to him by faith. And when we realise that all this has been done and it's already been purchased for us, then we're able to have faith that we can take hold of it. When somebody gives you a gift and uh, they say, here, this is for you, and it's all wrapped up, you don't sort of ask them again, can you give me the gift? Oh, I need you to give me the gift. I haven't had the gift. Yeah, you have had the gift. It's there right in front of you. No, but I haven't got it. You need. What am I going to do? You know? You need to unwrap it, don't you? You need to open it up. You need to access the gift. And the way we do that is through faith. It's already been purchased. It's already been made. There is a way that has been uh, provided for us into this grace that God has given, the abundant life that he has made available to us. All right. I want to finish off by looking at one more um, portion of scripture because if one of the keys is understanding that we have um, this, that everything has been provided for us then another key is um, is found in mark 11 verse 23 to 24 uh, so 
<clears throat> Jesus has uh, been talking about, he's just cursed the fig tree, yeah? So um, he's been in the temple, he's cleared the temple out. And before he cleared the temple out, he cursed the fig tree. And then they clear, he has this big thing that goes on in the temple and uh, we know about that. And then he comes back out of the temple and his disciples are with him. And Peter says, oh, look, Lord, that fig tree which you cursed has withered and died. And then he says to them, assuredly, I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He shall have, he shall have whatever he says. And in this verse, we see three keys to faith. So like I said earlier, you know, faith is the key to accessing the grace of God. But there are there are then like, you know, subcomponents of faith. There are there are things about faith that we need to learn. And this is and here we have three of them. All right. Here we have three things that we can learn about faith. First of all, that we need to have faith. Okay, so Jesus says, um, Assuredly, I say to you, uh, whoever um, says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He shall have whatever he says. So if you, he says, if you believe whatever you say you'll have, you say you'll have and it will be, then it will be done unto you. So if you believe it, it'll be done. What does he say to people constantly throughout the Gospels? Your faith has made you well. Do not doubt, but believe. Okay, just believe, he says to the guy, to Jairus, about his daughter. And, you know, he constantly is talking about people having faith. Um, and the Bible is clear that we've all been given a measure of faith. And it's the measure of faith of Jesus. We've all been given the same measure of faith. It's not like somebody got a bit more faith than the others. We've all been given the same measure of faith. I haven't got time to explain that, but... The Bible is clear that, that we've been given faith. So we all have the ability to believe. It's what we do with our faith that makes the difference. You see, faith is a muscle. And unless it's used and, and trained and, and built up, then it will just, it will just fade away. You know, what you, what you don't use, you, you'll lose. And so, you know, it, is, it needs to be used. And so faith... Um, needs to needs to be uh, developed and grown in our lives, but we all have faith. We can all believe, and so that's the first thing. You got to believe. You got to believe that these things happen. You know, you got to believe that you will have what you ask for. What does it say in um, <clears throat> in James one verse six to seven? Let him ask in faith. Okay. Without doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea and to that is driven and tossed by the wind. For let, for let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. Okay, so believe that what you have asked for, you will receive. Okay, and faith, guys, like I've said before, comes through, the through hearing and hearing the word of God. Romans 10 verse 17. So faith is built up. And developed as we listen to the word of God. Okay, second point. Faith speaks. So, he says, Assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, 
but believes these things will be done. So whoever says, so faith speaks. You know, that's, that's, Paul actually says those words in 2 Corinthians 4, verse 13. He says, I've believed, therefore I spoke. And in Romans 10, verse 6 to 10, he says, If you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So you confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart. And so faith speaks. Um, Proverbs 18 verse 21 says, Life and death is in the power of the tongue. The power of your, your words has, ha, has the power to bring life or death. Yeah, Our words are very important. God spoke the world into, into being and into creation. These are the principles or the spiritual laws that govern faith. What we speak is really important. Now here's a really important point that I want us to get a hold of. The, Jesus said, speak to the mountain, yeah? Speak to the mountain. He didn't say, speak to God. And this all ties in to what we've just been talking about. You see, why do you need to speak to God when God has made a way? Why do you need to ask God to, to, to provide you with the things that you need when God has made a way? You know, the mountain represents anything that is in your way from living in the abundant life or anything that you're, any issue that you may have in your life. It represents that, that mountain of, of need, yeah, of, of healing, of, of, of poverty or, or um, of freedom, you know, it represents that mountain of need. And he says, speak to it, speak to the mountain. Don't speak to God about it. Don't speak to God about your mountain, but speak to the mountain about your God, because your God will bring, is able to cause all abundance to flow into you. Yeah, to cause all things to um, come into your life. But you need to speak to that mountain. Okay, so faith speaks and it speaks to the need that we have. So we say we speak to the need. We, we speak to uh, the need of, of healing. We say sickness be cast into the sea. We say um, we say, you know, um, poverty be cast into the sea. We speak to that cancer, we curse it, and we cast it into the sea in Jesus' name. We speak to that um, disease and we cast it into the sea in Jesus' name. We cast it from our lives, we curse it, we break its power, and we speak freedom over our lives in Jesus' name. So, we are to speak to the mountain about God and not to God about the mountain. God is, is up there saying, well, I've finished my work. I've done what's needed. It's over to you now. It's your turn. You take hold of the things that I have provided by grace through faith. All right. And the last point that we find, the last sort of principle of faith that we find in this passage is that of not doubting. And this is very similar to uh, having faith, believing, but it's, but it's possible to have faith, to believe, and to doubt at the same time. You know, Peter said to Jesus, Lord, I believe, but help me in my unbelief. And, you know, their faith and, well, believing and unbelief and faith and doubting can, can, can be present in us at the same time. So we can believe something, we're like, oh yeah, I believe it, I believe it. But then we're like, oh, in the, in the heartbeat, in the same sentence, we're like, oh no, but what about this? What about that? Uh, 
What about, oh, well, maybe it's just too hard. Oh, yeah, but so much money, isn't it? Oh, yeah, but doctors say this. Oh, yeah, but, yeah, but, yeah, but, what if, but, and we doubt. We doubt the word of God. We doubt the truth that we've received. We doubt um, that faith will work. And, we, and our doubts begin to cancel out our faith. I'll read that verse in James again to you. Let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea driven and tossed by the wind. For let that man suppose that he will receive let that man not let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. So you will receive nothing from the Lord, he goes on to say, because you're a double-minded man. Yeah, because one minute you're like, yeah, I've got it, I've got it, I've got it. And the next minute you're like, oh, no, 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 it's not coming. No, I can't see this happening. It's, it's never going to work. Oh, no, I've got it. Yes, yes, it's going to be fine. Oh, no, 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 it's not going to work. You're up and you're down, you're tossed because you're looking at the waves. You're looking at the waves. And that's what happened to Peter. He was, one minute he had his eyes on Jesus and he was walking on water. The next minute he looked at the waves and he drowned. What was the waves? The waves of the world. The waves of the situation. The waves of the circumstances that you find yourself in. If you pay attention to them, then you will doubt. You might, you might have been believing, but then you'll be doubting. And that will cancel out your faith. Let, not, let yourself not doubt. Let your heart not doubt, but only believe. The way that you keep yourself in faith is by keeping your eyes on Jesus. And Jesus is the word of God. Keeping your eyes on the word of God. Keep your eyes and your heart and your mind stayed on the word of God. As you, as you do this, then you will counsel out doubt. You see, doubt exists in the world. Doubt is from the world because the world doesn't believe that the world is unbelieving. The world is contrary to the ways of God. The ways of God are found in the word of God and, they are, and the, the world is contrary to that. When you keep your eyes on the word of God, then you're able to see that mountain moved and cast into the sea. You're able to see and grab a hold of the things that Jesus has provided for you by grace through faith. Amen. Amen. So it's really important that we, we, uh, we apply these principles that we see in Mark 11 verses 23 to 24, they, are, they go hand in hand with what I've just been talking about. That all of this, all of our blessings have been provided to us by grace through Jesus Christ. All right, there are so many spiritual laws that govern the life of faith. There are, there are things like reaping and sowing, there is patience, there is life in the spirit, living by the spirit. You know, and I don't know all these things outright myself I know of them and I am looking into them further but what I do know is that if we will take hold of the word of God we will find out what it is we need to do to receive all that Jesus has paid for on the cross and and I for one don't want to get to the end of my life and say I, I, that his death for me was in vain, that his grace towards me was in vain, that I didn't take a hold of everything that he paid for. I want to take a hold of and appropriate and, uh, and have everything that he died for on the cross. 
Amen. Amen. Thank you so much for listening. I know I have talked for a long time. Um, I hope that you've received some something that will bless you and, and cause you to, uh, to, to, to go further with him and to do more and to be better and to be transformed into his likeness. I trust that this has just been a real blessing to you and I'll share um, some more with you another time. But until, until then, thank you and God bless. Speak to you soon. Goodbye.